passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. to the Raising Rices podcast. We have a really relevant topic to talk to you about. In fact, one that we kind of made sure to align our convictions with our move. You may have heard that we've moved. Yeah, now we're in Idaho and it's a lot different here really than it is where we were living in Oregon. And through the decision to move process and the moving process and then now having been here for Almost nine months. No uh, way. Have we really been here? Well, since May. So what's that? Seven (laughs) months? I'm exaggerating. Feels like a long time. We've definitely um, just experienced some conversations on the other side of things. Some different conversations with believers here that have been so encouraging to us. And so we wanted to kind of share some of what our conviction is that's come out of both our preparation to move And then that we've really realized now that we're here in Southeastern Idaho. And today's podcast is all about why moralism won't save you or your kids. Yeah, we're convicted that we should raise our children to act according to God's law and even have friends or choose to live in places that respect God's law. Even if the people don't know God, God's law is evident in our hearts and the it, we're convicted. And so you can live according to God's law or at least according to part of God's law outwardly, um, even if you don't know God. But simply living in these places or doing those things, following the rules of God's law, do not result necessarily in salvation. And I think it's one thing that we were kind of questioned on a lot as we prepared to leave Oregon and move to a more conservative, more moral place. We were questioned a lot, kind of thinking like, you don't think that's going to save your kids, right? Like you realize you can disciple them and they can be believers in the Lord anywhere. And that simply moving does not solve all of the problems of sin that are all around us in the world. Now, we had those conversations because we had great brothers and sisters in Christ back where we moved from. But I've also had conversations with people that maybe don't feel challenged in that way. They might say, well, I want to give my kids a better shot or they won't be as tempted in these new locations or what have you. A lot of people's underlining question is what is the motivation for moving? And... Simply put, all of our motivations are to lead and support our children's salvation process. So to say that we moved here without that in mind would be foolish. Yeah, yeah. Because everything we do is for the eternal, right? Right. But just simply moving somewhere or just simply trying to teach your children good morals or live out good morals is not what saves your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's impossible to say, oh, well, 
they'll turn out to be a good person and that equals salvation because that does not equal salvation. But as you noted there, there is a significant role at play where if you choose to live somewhere that does not celebrate debauchery in the same way as where you came from, then some people, some of us have that conviction that we should live in a place that doesn't celebrate debauchery, that is not Sodom and Gomorrah, and does not, uh, or that allows more opportunity for our children to to grow successfully, to provide for their families, to, um, to ultimately follow the Lord and disciple others. So that is our conviction. That's our kind of intro into this topic. And as we live in the midst of this, what has been called the Great Migration, <laughs> particularly Christian and conservative people moving to more conservative or rural areas, we have to remember that that is not the answer for the salvation of your children. We're yeah. really convicted that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. No cheap grace and also no earned grace. These are both things that were touched on by our pastor this week. And I thought that he did a really great job just defining those two things that on the one hand, if we somehow work and follow the law and are super moralistic and somehow earn grace, then it's not grace. It's a, it's a paycheck for services rendered. And that is not what the Bible teaches. But on the other side, if we think, oh, grace abounds, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound even more? Well, Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter six, that we are by no means to do that, that grace is provided to us as a gift from God, like Ephesians two talks about, but that we have to then like the Lord saves us. He rescues us from our sin and puts us on a path through the Holy Spirit of sanctification. And so no cheap grace and no earned grace. Yes. Through grace alone, by faith alone, right? Um, a practical story. Um, I have experienced or have talked to other people who have experienced similar things that it can be very confusing for young people and even adults, mind you, when we say, well, you just have to have enough faith for this to happen. Or, or if you had more faith, then you would be healed or, um, you need to find more faith within yourself so that mm. these things are not confusing to you. Uh, you have may have heard these expressions. You might have experienced these expressions before. And while I have to say they're from good meaning hearts, like they're trying to encourage perhaps the believer, it can be very confusing because in actuality, that is a, a works-based faith. Right. Yes, we should live out our faith. That is one of the reasons why we chose to move our specific family. Not that everyone has to move. Right. But if you tell yourself, if I have more faith, then I will please God or I 
will have salvation or let me say it this way. Sorry. If I don't have enough faith, then I start to question my salvation. Puts the salvation in your court and not God's. Right. Yeah. Even that faith is a gift from God. Right. And so if we are lacking faith in something or we're questioning our salvation, then we should pray and ask God for faith. And and that will not return void. But if we're trying to muster up the faith from within ourselves somewhere to have more faith, then that that is putting the onus of that, the work of that on ourselves, which is impossible for us to achieve. Yes. If you try to tell yourself to do better faith wise, <laughs> right. you are seeking the wrong source of that faith. Yeah, and through Christ, through the Holy Spirit is the source of our strength for all things, for for faith, for obedience to the Lord, for all of those elements. And so... Because if you could do it yourself... Then it would be by works. And you wouldn't need a Savior. Right. And it, that is completely a false doctrine. Right. Completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. So as we have this conversation and we're thinking about our conviction that moralism alone, following or trying to follow the law of God or be a good person or live in a moral place or live in a conservative place, that those things don't save you and they don't save your kids. Here are some character traits that we've been just thinking about that are really applicable, I think, when it comes to this conversation. And the first one is humility. And that might seem kind of odd at first, but I want to put it this way. It's it's understanding that living a good life or raising your kids in a good place will not necessarily result in their salvation. That that salvation comes from the Lord. And so we have to have ourselves in a humble place, not thinking that we've crafted the perfect home life and the perfect town and the perfect state that is going to result in a, a good life and a, and ultimately salvation through that. But that salvation comes from the Lord by grace through faith, as we've talked about. Now, because of this humility, <clears throat> you as the parent need to take those rose-colored glasses off, as Mm -hmm. Darren said. You know, just living a good life, raising your kids in a good place is not going to save them. And instead of living the rose-tinted glasses way, you need to put on diligence. Diligence in teaching, being faithful to the Word of God to teach your children what is true. What the Word of God says, may it not return void. And just because even outwardly their actions may reflect the good life or the good place does not put you into a place of security that their salvation has been found if you have not taken the time to teach the truth and allow them to submit to the Lord as their only way of salvation, not by works. Right. I think that diligence and faithfulness, like you mentioned, is so important and can even be more challenging when you do live in a 
moralistic or conservative place, it's even easier to be lax and less intentional in spiritual discipline and in Christian spiritual discipline. And not only spiritual discipline, but in disciplining um, discipleship of what is happening in the world at large, because you can feel like you live in a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of think like, oh, I'm sheltered here. It's okay here. Everything seems to be going fine. And you can woefully neglect the sin that is rampant in our world and the sin that can even sometimes be more easily hidden in our hearts and in the hearts of our children. And so I think it makes that discipleship, that intentional discipline of family worship, family Bible time, teaching, discipling your kids, being involved in church and brothers and sisters in Christ as adults, as parents, makes all those things even more important that we have watchfulness, faithfulness in those areas because it can be easier to be lax or loose with those ideas. Our next character quality is thankfulness. And kind of like what we talked about a moment ago, um, the awareness of sin can drive us to be thankful. It can bring up lessons that need to be taught and um, discipled in our children. And we should be thankful for those opportunities. But also thankfulness knowing of our own sinful state, not just the sinful state of our children, brings us to thankfulness when we see our need for the Savior, our need for salvation through Christ alone. And that is a gift of grace alone, by faith alone. We stand to learn this character trait of thankfulness both for ourselves and for our children and not as we mentioned before um, become complacent or think that oh well they're they're good they're doing good Mm -hmm. you know I mean they may and praise the Lord if they are but our thankfulness needs to come from a place that grace and faith are gifts from God not a result of our own works or our children's works, and that is so that no one may boast. Right. Ephesians, again, chapter 2, makes this really clear. We were dead in our trespasses, and God brought us to life and saved us by grace. And I think that, you know, without being too doctrinal or too theological, again, like you touched on earlier, if you think that somehow your salvation has to do with you choosing the Lord, then it puts the onus of that salvation on yourself and you lose some of this thankfulness. Thinking that you were dead, you were lost in your sin, you did not choose God, God chose you and rescued you from your sin and brought you to himself there's multiple places in the Bible. Jesus says, the only ones who come to me are those the Father calls. And so it's so important that in our lives and in our homes that we have a thankfulness for our salvation and that we teach that thankfulness to our children as well. It'd be like saying, thank you, Lord, so much for choosing me for for this gift of salvation, for extending that gift to me versus... Thank you so much, self, for choosing God. 
And if you didn't... Sure made my life better. Yeah. I'm so glad that I decided to do this. And like... God and the mystery of God, is, there's some powerful mysteries that I still have yet to um, dive in deep. But there is a beautiful mystery between being chosen and free will. Right. And that we're not saying that's not at play. In fact, a lady in our home group back in Oregon used to say, it's like... God calls you to, you know, to walk through heaven's door. She gave this illustration. And of course, every illustration or metaphor about God falls flat. Let me just preface it that. But she just said, it's like God, you know, called you through this door and you walked through this door that says I'm chosen or I've been chosen. And then you look back and on the back of the door, it says, Thank you for choosing. Thanks for choosing, yeah. yeah. Or something like that. Um, it's just the mystery of God in that, you know, um, he is He is all sovereign, right? And we do play a part um, because we are responsible for our actions. Right. But he is so good to choose. And may I just say one more example that it's so true. Those that have not, are, are not following God, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It astounds me how you could have two people, one following and one not following, hear the same, let's say, sermon. Right. Or the same encouragement. The same message. The same message. And one hears it completely different than the other. It is true that our eyes and our ears and our hearts are open to the Lord through the Holy Spirit. Right. That is no work of man. No. Right? Or else the two side by side would be hearing the same message. Right. Absolutely true. Okay, our our last uh, character trait that we want to address here is submission. But before we address it, I want to give a word from one of our sponsors. Hello, we want to interrupt this podcast today to let you know that it is brought to you by Heritage Home Family Farm, a Christian family seeking to bring a legacy of flavors to your table. This family is passionate about building the family culture and making homemade with ease. They have a series of spices, loose leaf teas, and baking mixes available to make delicious, clean, and easy homemade food at your table and in your kitchen a possibility in today's busy world. Find out more at heritagehomefamilyfarm.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Like I said, our last character trait is submission. I think this is especially important as parents. We must submit ourselves to the Lord in prayer making every petition for his grace in our lives and in the lives of our children. So while we may not hold the keys to salvation for our kids' lives, who does is the Lord, and we are commanded in Scripture to pray, to to make every prayer and petition to the Lord. And as parents, sometimes I think it's easy to forget this. But that is probably one of the most powerful things that you can do alongside of teaching them the word and being an example of the Christian faith is to pray for them, to pray for your children, that they would know God and know the truth and know salvation through Jesus Christ. It's so true. And, you know, Paul David Tripp talks about this a lot, I think, in his book, Parenting, but that we are 
not just parents, but we are ambassadors for Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, we are given this role of parents, this jurisdiction, this opportunity that is far (laughs) different than the opportunity of the world because we get to, you know, teach truth, show Christ, pray for our kids. Those huge, huge pillars for the life of our children that, you know, those that do not have God-fearing parents are not, you know, experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so it is a gift and we are his ambassador and it should not be taken lightly. I say that because I have taken it lightly and I, and I feel the, you know, as each of my children get older, I feel the, the righteous burden. Yeah. Yeah. The, the somber weight Yes. That we can put on the Lord that isn't ours to carry. Right. But that we need to remember that there is a responsibility and we do need to lift that responsibility up to the Lord so that we shouldn't be burdened or saddened or sombered by it, but we should be serious about it. Yeah. Definitely. Well, there's obviously challenges. Every podcast, we talk about our conviction. We talked about the character qualities that get mustered up within ourselves and our children when we deal with these different convictions. But there is also challenges, and they are not to be avoided. You know, it talks about persecution strengthening the Christian. Right. Well, these challenges do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And in this category where we're talking today about the Great Migration or moving to a more conservative or moral place or even just surrounding yourself with a good moral community, the temptation is to think that that will result in the salvation of your kids. Exactly what our conviction today was addressing, but I want to bring it home a little more. Since we've moved to Idaho, this wonderful, wonderful place um, that we're very much enjoying as a family and so encouraged by believers that we've met here and uh, a strong Christian community here, we have found places where because of our background, because of our past, because of where we came from, we developed strong convictions around just various elements of the culture. Mm-hmm. And when we move here, people, we and we have conversations with believers They have not even kind of considered if they need to have a conviction around a certain element, whether it be a certain holiday or a certain media company or a certain, you know, kind of uh, sports related thing or or whatever it is. They're like, I hadn't really thought about having a conviction in that area. It's always seemed kind of harmless enough or pretty family friendly and they haven't seen the road where it could lead. Mm-hmm. And so we have these extra convictions that we show up with and not to be doom and gloom, cause that's what I tend to be. <laughs> but uh, I think that it's important to recognize that the temptation is like you said earlier, to kind of live in your little bubble. Yes. And so that is the challenge not to live in your bubble, <clears throat> right? To live as Christ's, calls us to live, but to remember that the world outside of here, outside of your home that you're raising your children in is one that is out to kill, steal, and destroy your children. And we were reading in Matthew the other day, and Jesus sends his disciples out and he says, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Yes. 
And so we really need to not let those discernment ideas down because like you said, the enemy is there to steal, kill and destroy. And maybe he's not as present in one place as another yet, or maybe he's playing the slow game for sure, Mm -hmm. but we have to be watchful. We have to be sober minded. And, you know, as I talked about, persecution leads to, can lead to stronger faith. Mm-hmm. It can also lead to greater testimony. Mm-hmm. It can lead to opportunities to teach. So if you are one of the people that have chosen to leave an area because of the horrible morals that are being lived out there, don't retreat to a vacation. You know, go into battle, right? right. Preserve what you why you moved right right and stand firm share your stories because we were just at a home group telling the people that in oregon portland oregon that they do a naked bike race every year yeah it's a huge thing and the city paper yeah they were out of their mind shocked that that could happen and it's been going on for years oh yeah and so i just use that you know it sounds like a silly example but it's just when you do move to a conservative place, or if you are living in a conservative place right now, life can and does look different. Right. And also, if you do live in an area, a state, a city that celebrates debauchery at that level, don't fall into a similar trap where you think that because you associate with good people and live a, a, a sheltered life within your home, that that moralistic tiny subculture that you've created will result in the salvation of your children either. But it does have to be explicitly from the word of God. And I have to say, as a homeschooling mom, that is a temptation. I have heard that because you homeschool, your children will be saved. Right. And you can't say that. Right. You can't. Because what did we say already? Salvation is from uh, grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ's sacrifice alone. Right. According to Scripture. According alone. to Scripture. For the glory right. of God alone. Let's just, just get, get all, them all five in there. In. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I just want to, you know, word of caution, if you are uh, in, a, in your own bubble, maybe you live in a very unmoral place, but you have created a bubble right. um, with your Christian friends Praise the Lord you have them. And that is wonderful. Yeah. And maybe you homeschool and so your children aren't exposed to the debauchery that is out there. Again, praise the Lord. Thank you. You are doing great work. But if you neglect, if you neglect teaching and about Christ, about truth, and you just focus on if you've said, yes, ma'am, no, sir, cleaned up your plate, keep your room clean. Can you kind of hear the difference? Like if right. you just focus on good acts, good person, good manners, you're missing the eternal. Right. They're both they're both needed. Don't yes. get me wrong. Oh, I yeah. try and teach my kids the same <laughs> thing. But one without the other yeah. is where the issue comes. Absolutely. And that really is found in our next challenge that we have listed here. And that's that there is this portion of the culture that thinks that you can be saved simply by being a good person. It's so true. I've heard it so many times. Oh, I'm a good person. Or, or oh, I believe in God and I'm a good person. Like, 
They don't even realize that that is the most dangerous statement to make. Like complacent. You believe in God, but you think you're a good person. Apparently good enough that God's not going to strike you dead on the day of judgment. That is a seriously dangerous place to be. Because let's just say it right now. You are not a good person. Yeah. I am not a good person. Darren is not a good person. No, none of us are a good person on our own. And our pastor talked about that today, about the sin. You want to tell the story? Yeah. I mean, just that you cannot... um, you cannot be a good person by yourself and you cannot think, Oh, God loves me in my sin or, Oh, I'm pretty good. But that by grace, God rescues you from your sin and he doesn't leave you there. God doesn't save you and leave you in your sin. And certainly the, even in Christian circles idea that God hates the sin and loves the sinner is also not true. God hates the sin and he hates you in your sin. That's why by grace, he saves you and rescues you out of your sin. Our pastor told a a good story today about a house. If you had a house and it burned down. So just think house made in the image of God, burned down, sin, sinful heart. We all have it sinful heart house burns down if you're the homeowner you do not run around to all your neighbors and go look at the house it looks so great i love what the fire has done to it i love the fire and i love the house i love it all no you hate that fire and you don't want your house to stay burned down either but that's what the substitutionary atonement is. Right. You get a brand new house. Right. Christ died for you that he covers that sin in his righteousness. Right. That when God looks at you, he doesn't see that burned burn down house. house. Yes. He sees a beautiful new in his image house. Yeah. Imputed righteousness from Christ, like you said. Yes. So important. So do not be persuaded that you can be saved by simply being a good person. Do not be persuaded that God loves you in your unrepentant sin. No, by the power of the Spirit working in our lives, we should repent and turn away from sin and be on a journey of sanctification. Our last challenge is that we live in a place, and I know that a lot of you live in places where False religions or gospels put an emphasis on works or earning your salvation by following the rules of the church or of whatever organization it is. Anything that is gospel plus. Right. Any gospel plus money. Yeah. Gospel plus do whatever the pastor tells you. Gospel plus works. works. Those things are not a way to earn your salvation. That is a invalid gospel. And it's important that we pay attention to and recognize the difference in that. So in summary, we need to make sure we're not lulled into a sense of security just because we have good kids or live in a moral place or have a moral community or city or state. Or homeschool. Or homeschool. I'm saying it because I homeschool. Sorry. (laughs) We must instead continue 
to contend for and disciple our kids with purposefulness. We cannot neglect this, people. It is essential and eternal. As always, we hope that this podcast has been an encouragement to you. If you have questions about any of the theological or doctrinal things we said or any practical application things, we'd love you to reach out to us on social media. I am at Lead Your Family. And I am at Raising Races. We hope you have a blessed week. See you next time.